podcast is going to be a lot heavier than our previous podcast, our introduction. So this is actually going to be about our faith transition and kind of finding our way back to Christ and leaving the Mormon church. And I, I'm honestly kind of nervous, which is weird because we've shared this story with so many people before. We're really open. We're really, yeah, we really are an open book, but I think just the the weight of it can just seem so, so heavy. Um, and it can make it hard. I mean, we're, we're sharing this publicly where before maybe we've just kind of shared it with just like close family and friends. Yeah. Um, but I, I think why, maybe why we feel a little nervous is that we just want to make sure we portray it in the right way. Yeah. We want to say all the right words, so we might not say everything perfectly. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to seem like we're bashing, like, the religion that we came from. And we have a lot of family and friends that are in the faith still, and we love them very much. And we're happy, like, as long as they're happy, we're happy. And I would hope the same for us in in our religion and our our views. Uh, But it's just hard. It's hard Mm -hmm. when this was such a foundation for our marriage and for our family. Mm Mm-hmm. But I also think that this can be a really big light for people who maybe are going through the same thing, whether it's from the religion that like we came from or like another religion. Uh, so hopefully it's really just a learning experience for most people uh, yeah. to know they're not alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think Brad's going to kind of give you a rundown of just like what religion we came from, the basic beliefs, uh, and then we'll kind of share like our perspective of growing up and then kind of how it ties into like us getting together. Yeah. And where we're at now. And where we're at now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in the last, uh, in the introductory episode, um, we had talked about how, um, uh, I can't remember the wording of it, but how basically changing your perception on how you feel like your life should have been mm-hmm. um and how if you kind of leave um leave room for like mystery and not have to plan everything and know how everything expects or you you expect everything to go just um bring so many opportunity for growth yeah um so regardless of if you're like leaving this church or that church or going through a phase at work or whatever I think the common theme um, for us is that, like, I think we have a perception of how life, we feel like life, um, the perfect life should be. Yeah. And um, I think a lot of my perception, at least, um, growing up in the Mormon church centered around the Mormon um, ideals um, and how I feel like my perfect life would would look Mm -hmm. um, and kind of just being uh, flexible and, and knowing that rarely actually do things go to pl- according to your plans right exactly um there's plenty of songs where they say you know uh there's that um thomas rat thomas rat yeah. life changes yeah um, you make a plan and you make you a plan god and laughing. you hear god laughing that's right for um, sure and i but, think that that's exactly that i think that speaks a lot to different circumstances in our life 
you know, I think there's a lot of times where we've made a plan and then it's just like, haha, nope, never mm-hmm. mind. This is really what it is, you know? Yeah. And I, and I think our faith transition was kind of one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, although it wasn't really like a haha moment, it was like a really, really hard, hard thing to go through for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, do you kind of want to give a rundown of what like our yeah. belief in like the LDS faith, the Mormon faith, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, it's known by like a few, but yeah kind of the stages of like how I or I guess um, the textbook Mormon would be is like you're you're born in the in the as a member of the church you are uh, blessed they have a baby blessing um, shortly after you're you're born and this is a blessing that typically the father would do in front of the whole congregation um, and if your father is not a member or like, um, I guess under the discipleship to be able to give you a blessing, it's usually like a grandparent, yeah, um, a brother or uncle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, the, um, all of the ordinances in the church are done by people who have been given what's called, uh, the priesthood. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when do you get the priesthood? So at the age of 12, you get the ironic priesthood, which okay. is like a, they call it the preparatory priesthood, and it prepares you for the Melchizedek priesthood, which um, they believe is the priesthood that Christ had and gave to his apostles. Okay. Right? So if you're going to do any of the ordinances like baptism, you have to have been given that authority by the like laying on of hands. Mm-hmm. So, um, And laying on of hands means like people who are already in the priesthood putting their hands on you and physically like blessing you with that yeah with they that. circle around yeah. you everybody puts their hands on your head <laughs> and then they they give you that that gift yeah um or give you that calling that um that uh, blessing whatever that ordinance would be mm-hmm. so um there are so as you as you grow up in the church there are that we have the primary for the children and they they grow they grow from class to class, you know, just like a school or, you know, mm-hmm. pr- primary school, just like a Bible school. And, um, like she said, the, the priesthood are for the men only. Mm-hmm. And so, um, in church to me growing up, it's changed a little bit the past couple of years, but me growing up, it was always three one hour blocks. The first would be like the whole congregation right. for one hour in the sanctuary. Yes. Uh-huh. They would have an opening hymn, an opening prayer. And then they usually have three speakers mm-hmm. and these, the, they kind of rotate. They'll have like the Bishop is the pastor over the church, over the congregation. He'll have two counselors right? and they have, they, they obviously, they have like a clerk and help them with uh, like numbers and counting. But always on the stand the, yeah, is the Bishop and, and his stuff. two counselors. Yes. And typically one of those three will kind of uh, navigate the, at the meeting service mm-hmm. and they'll introduce the speaker. The speaker um, could either be one of them. They could have somebody pulled in from like a different uh, ward mm-hmm. or stake, which are different branches of the church. Um, which is kind of like the leadership of the church. Yeah. And when we say wards or stakes, it's the, the Mormon church is so large. So they have so many members all over in, in different areas. And so, uh, a ward is just basically like a boundary. Uh, so if you live within like a certain boundary of the city, you would all go to, it's one congregation. Yeah. It's one congregation. And then if you live outside of that boundary, you would go to a different ward and then there's like, 
each there's multiple awards that are under each stake. Yeah. Um, They'll have like anywhere from three to five or six awards <laughs> mm-hmm. um, in a stake, and they do that so that when there's like um, talks that are given on uh, like worldwide, then that you can have um, like you're more local instead of just your bishop. Right. You'll have like your whole stake will gather at a meeting house and we'll, we'll get some uh, different um, talks given through through the leadership mm-hmm. and stuff. So it kind of filters down from, um, and we'll, I guess we'll go, we'll touch on this, but they have like the prophet who's at the top. Um, the quorum of the 12. The quorum of the 12 is under him. And then they have like a quorum of the 70s and they, they have a handful of those. And then basically, um, what stems from that are the stakes and the wards yeah. in every single yeah. state. Yes. Yeah. So for example, in Utah, uh, my ward boundary was like maybe four blocks by four blocks. Because in Utah, there are so many people are active in the, are in mm-hmm. our members or active in the church. Yeah. So like our building we would share our building with one or two different mm-hmm. wards and we'd have different times and you could literally walk to church whereas for me it sometimes would take us 30 45 minutes to get to yeah. church because we had mm-hmm. to actually drive because there's not as many utah yeah. is like the hub for all of all the, the mormonism that's where yeah. the headquarters I, are I think, yeah i think i heard a stat um and i've always quoted quoted roughly this but like 80 percent of uh, Utahns are baptized as mm-hmm. members of the church, and it's probably somewhere around 60% that's actually active Mormons, maybe even less, maybe closer to 50. But at any rate, our block, like four by four blocks, um, is who we went to church with. So, I mean, we're right there at church with all of our neighbors. Mm-hmm. It's really great for community. Yeah, for um, sure. I, I do really love that about living in utah and i miss that part is because you just really get to know your neighbors and not just your immediate neighbors but people three blocks down and their whole their neighbors and um it's different because even the mormon church outside of utah they'll have like two wards in a whole city Mm -hmm. you know or a small city might have just one yeah um and so it, you don't get to know your neighbors. You get to know people from your ward spotted out throughout yes. the city kind of yeah. thing. But yeah, you could drive 20, 30, 40 minutes to, to go to church in some areas. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in Utah, there's always a, a church building yeah. within three blocks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're so, all real close. So. so you mentioned that the boys got the priesthood. Mm-hmm. Um, and do like the women have anything so the women don't get um any of that priesthood authority Mm -hmm. but they are a part of the relief society which is the the uh america's oldest women's um group um so basically it's it's not broken down like the the bishopric and um his counselors and stuff um as far as like authority laying on of hands, mm-hmm. but it is similar where they'll have like a relief society president and she'll have counselors mm-hmm. and they organize. So I was mentioning the three blocks. So the first one is a whole con- congregation. Your whole family sits through it. Um, during prayers, there's no like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. No yeah. hallelujah. It's all quiet. They're all hymns. Yeah. So nobody's, you know, 
lifting their hands or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's it's very very quiet quiet. Um, and then during the talks, when you don't somebody clap. no, but yeah. when they when they close it, they'll close it in the name of Jesus Christ, Amen, and everybody mm-hmm. repeats Amen. Um, and so after that first hour, it's about an hour and ten minutes. Then you would go to um, like. You would go, so the children would go to like um, like one the big, class, the primary yeah. class where where they have like music again yeah. and essentially it's classes. Yeah, and they're broke. Yeah, basically broken down in age groups. Right. Well, like for so adults and everything. So there's one part where the children um, will go to like a big class where they're all together. Mm-hmm. And again, like they'll do music and kind of just different, they'll like a lesson. Different, yeah, different and then after that hour, they'll split up and go to an individual age group, yes. a class. Yeah. Um, and then like the men and the women, they, it's kind of the same thing. They'll, they'll go together in one big class. And then after that hour is over, then they'll split up and go to Relief Society and then like... And the priesthood. And the priesthood mm-hmm. and stuff. So yeah. the last the last classes, yeah. Just, the men are all in one group. Women are all in another. So church was always very, yeah. very long for us. And yeah. I remember that being something really difficult for me. Three hours at church. Yeah, it's really formal. Like it ske- is very set schedule. Formal. I mean, it's a worldwide church. So they have the same <laughs> curriculum that you generally should stick to mm-hmm. so in theory everybody in the world should be learning the kind same learning lesson the on same the same lessons. day yeah and then that way you can relate to uh, other people throughout the world of what mm-hmm. what was taught and it's it's just a and, great, it's a great way to teach um and every so organized. often there's state conference so all of your wards will get together and you'll have like you'll you'll join together and you'll have one big just one big meeting it's typically mm-hmm. only like an hour and then twice I think it's, it's two hours yeah and then twice a year they'll have general conference where mm-hmm. back in the day when we at least um i don't know how it was for you but for us we would have to actually go to the church to watch general conference and it would be broadcast and it would be church. broadcasted to the church but now it's just done on tv and you can just stay home and watch it or you mm-hmm. can watch it on on and the that, internet and, and that's stuff. broadcast from the conference center in salt lake city and it's just a huge building right. um you can get um like a ticket or a, a, a recommend to go to go to go yeah. and watch it live and you can see like the the prophet and and all the and leadership of the church basically like um Maybe it's not an arena, but I mean, it can like, fit a lot of people. It's like a mega church, it's, but it's yeah. not, but it's not like what you'd see on TV with people running around or anything <laughs> right. crazy, crazy. But the building but, size is like that for yeah, sure. They, they have a giant, beautiful mm-hmm. organ. Um, and, but it's, yeah, it's mm-hmm. all hymns. It's basically the same format mm-hmm. with, uh, opening hymn, opening prayer yeah. and talks and stuff. But. And so when you're in the church, after you get your blessing, like you had mentioned when you were younger. You go through those classes, mm-hmm. those courses, and you receive the priesthood as a man. Um, and then um, typically, um, when I was this age, when you turn 19. Well, um, hold on. You forgot baptisms? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So baptisms, the what they call the age of accountability mm-hmm. is eight years old. So they say the idea is that at around the age of eight, you are are now old enough to take uh, accountability to for take your a, sins. Yeah, for your your, your sins. Mm-hmm. So the the belief is that you're born innocent as a child and at the but we undoubtedly we all 
make mistakes. Right. And at the age of eight is when we're now accountable for those mistakes. And so a lot of people, like for me, I was born, or I was born October 2nd and I was baptized when, on my right. eighth birthday, October 2nd. Yeah. So it's as very typical it's, if yeah. you're in the church. Right. right. Um, if you are nine years old or older and you're baptized, you're considered a convert. Even if you're a member of the church to begin with? Well, I, um, I guess if you have, if you're a child of record, I think is what they call. I'm not sure the logistics on all that, but I know, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll get back to that in a second. Um, but as you become an adult, it was very uh, strongly recommended that men would serve a mission. And if any of you have seen Mormon missionaries with a white shirt and a tie and a black tag. Um, and at what age? That I, I believe that was at 19. I think it's now changed to 18. Um, but typically... They they say that every able, so I actually able man th- I actually think that. for men it was eighteen mm, or I no was, I think it was nineteen but I can't I can't remember it's uh, been a it's while it's been a while it's been a really <laughs> that's long half time. my yeah. lifetime ago that's crazy. which is crazy to think mm-hmm. but um so did you serve a mission yeah so I guess we can talk about that after you kind of share your experience in the church yeah well I you know I all my friends um, were from our same neighborhood mm-hmm. we went to church went to school. Um, down the road so all of us grew up and going to church and going to school together so we're really close ever since I could remember five years old um, I was doing everything with this group of friends yeah um, we since we were so close I think we felt more comfortable than a lot of people did in class and stuff um, um, just like at school and everything because we were our our families were like planted there in, yeah. in Utah for such a long time. You that, guys went to school together. You played yeah. sports together. So you pe- went to church new people, together. New people who moved in and stuff, like they might not be as comfortable and stuff. So I think I think we were kind of also a little bit of troublemakers. We were all good kids. Like <laughs> I'm really grateful for the group of friends that I had because generally All of them are really good people. Yeah. yeah. And we didn't get in a whole lot of trouble. We like to cause mischief, like, but we weren't like, robbing stores or drinking alcohol <laughs> I and mean, partying. Maybe like, just stealing some gum from the local convenience store. No. <laughs> <laughs> I did that when I was probably about eight or nine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we were, we were kind of the jokesters in class, a little rambunctious, um, not too disrespectful, but, you know, distracting in mm-hmm. class. So there's like a, a lot of the kids were quieter and tried to show probably a little more respect and might not, not have been as comfortable. So yeah, we were like rambunctious, but my, basically my, fr- I felt like my friends really understood at a young age. They knew all the answers to the questions that they were getting and stuff. And I don't know what it is about me, but I had a hard time retaining that mm. for a long time. And, um, I was, you know, it's always the conversation when you become an adult is okay, like now what are you going to do? Are you going to go to school? Are you going to get married? Or are you going to like serve a mission for the mm-hmm. church? And it's always like kind of pushed to like serve a mission yeah, for to the serve church. a mission for, for men because women can go on missions too. Yes. But for men, it is very heavily pushed. Mm-hmm. Um, almost, almost, almost like you're guilt tripped into it. If I'm being well, honest, it's a, it's kind of like a thing where it's like not one of the, those saving ordinances or anything, mm-hmm. but it almost feels like it is. It's almost like, well, I'm disappointing yeah, everybody your parents. if I don't go. Yeah. But also too, there is a lot of 
a lot of push for the women to marry a return missionary. And so if you're not a return missionary or maybe you were a missionary and you got like dishonorably discharged, that's, it's kind of a big deal, you know? And I also just want to preface this. This is not, this is not for us to bash the church. This is honestly just our experience Mm -hmm. in the church, how we've felt. And I recognize that a lot of people, um, have great experiences just for us. It well, was... I was actually gonna gonna touch on that because um, the idea of or why we feel so much pressure is that the Mormon Church um, believes that marriage has to be done by somebody who has that priesthood, and that if it is, then it's eternal and it's sealed here on earth, so it's sealed in heaven. Mm-hmm. And so the uh, the idea of being with your spouse and your kids your family forever it's a great idea yeah, yeah. I mean it's it, it's um it's like what everybody wants and everybody strives for mm-hmm. um so it's it's kind of like you f- you feel like man I just got to do everything I can to get that yeah you know right and so if my best chance is to serve a mission then maybe I should you know but mm-hmm. so I, but I also think that there's a difference between what the church teaches which I think is, it all makes sense. It's all like sound, you know, like, um, but as you now involve a culture, um, and when I say culture in Utah, it's like uh, keeping the Sabbath day holy, right? Nobody goes to the store on mm-hmm. Sunday. A lot of businesses it's are really, closed. Yeah, it's like a ghost town. The whole state of Utah is like a ghost town mm-hmm. on every Sunday. Like, and if you everything do is go shut down. somewhere and you see somebody yeah, else, yeah, it's church, kind of this weird taboo it thing. It is because it's yeah. like, oh no, we're both sinning. You yeah, know? it's like, oh, you're sinning. Oh wait, but he sees me. Yeah, sinning. exactly. That kind of thing. But yeah. and it's really like um, it's more just about your your personal like you just take a day mm-hmm. where you rest and you do, and you don't work. So like that's why businesses are shut down. It's a day of rest. So you don't work, but you also don't uh, motivate other people to work or mm-hmm. force other people to work by going to the store so that they can have their Sabbath. Yeah. So that's kind of the idea of it, which I think is great. But there's a lot of those nuances, those weird things that we bring in culturally, you know, where you just feel if you do need to go and get something, you almost feel a little icky about doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's just, uh, it's, it's a really strange thing. Definitely being a member of the Mormon church is very different inside of Utah versus outside. Yeah. I mean, of course, like the core, the core values the teachings are, still are all the same. the same. Yeah. Worldwide, they're all the but same. But as far as people's reactions, um, mm-hmm. just sometimes people suck, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the, the things that they try to turn into doctrine that really aren't doctrine can have like a negative impact on on those yeah. around them, you know? Well, you know, I, I just, I can't help but to think with 80% of Utahns being like technically Mormons of the church, it's like how many are actually like in good standings with God? Like yeah. if you just look around at people, you know, it's like, you can't really judge people. We're not yeah. there to judge, but I just, the idea that like 80% are like, are actually striving for a relationship <laughs> with God. And it's like, it, it doesn't seem like that, right? But it's like Christ when he came, right? We have the, the Old Testament where essentially they were making up laws of the land to prevent people from sinning. Mm-hmm. And when Christ came, he's like, he fulfilled the law, but 
he kind of corrected them in their path. Like that's, you're missing the mark of what was really meant by this doctrine. Mm -hmm. Right. And I feel like just the culture of Utah with people, like there's good Mormons that are trying their best to cultivate a relationship with God. And then there's people who are, who are trying to earn their way to heaven by doing those steps because it is so organized. Mm -hmm. So to, I think for some people, it's nice to have, Oh, steps. If, if I do this, then I get this. You know, so they can say, all I got to do is go to church on yeah. Sunday, read my scriptures. And so everything that's taught, they're just trying, like striving to do every, right. everything perfect. And that pressure, you know, culturally and the peer pressure can just be a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember um, I have out of my 15 in my family, my siblings, um, 14 siblings, I had one brother to serve a mission and he was um, my my second brother the second boy in the family out of five. Um, and I just saw how much um, pride my parents had in him de- deciding to serve a mission. And that was a motivating factor for me. You know, as a young child, you want to please your parents yeah. and you want to make them proud and all that. But at the same time, I was terrified of becoming an adult because I... I didn't know how to have a conversation with my parents and tell them that I wasn't going to serve a mission for the Mm. church. That was in my mind from when I was really young. Um, So kind of like my, um, my relationship with my friends, they all knew what they wanted to do with school. um, And I didn't. Um, And they also knew that they wanted to serve a mission. And that was 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 the same thing. thing, Yes. And so they, they had their minds made up. And I felt like I was just the, the black sheep of the mm-hmm. group a lot because it's like, I don't know if that's really what I want. So um, after I graduated high school, it's typically when you start preparing. But I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I, st- I started to go to college and I think my, my parents had talked to me, but they were very careful with not feeling like they were pressuring me. Mm-hmm. They don't, I mean, no parent wants to force a decision on you, you and yeah. then there's resentment yeah, and exactly. everything else. Yeah. But I, I could tell they're like, um, they wanted to open that conversation. They wanted to like see where I'm at. They want to motivate me to serve a mission. Um, and they're trying not to be pushy. And I, I was just like, man, I don't know how to tell them I'm not going to, you know? So I just kept putting it off, putting it off. And then I had, um, a really deep conversation with my dad one night. Um, He's just laying, laying in his room, and I, I came and asked him a question. It was a deeper question. I don't know how we got on the subject, but um, we started talking about, like, space. And um, my, my dad is a, a dreamer. And yeah, he, for I sure. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a really smart, intelligent. Very um, deep thinker. Yeah, a very mm-hmm. deep thinker. Um, and, man, we just talked about space, and he just related it to... Um, God creating it and you know he's always my parents have always been good at bearing their testimony Mm -hmm. with stuff and just um, I mean their whole lives are centered around God they're very godly people very great people Um, but after that conversation I like that whole night I was just like man I was my eyes were so open and I you know I felt like I was I felt like I was just receiving something new like something fresh and um, so I just said you know maybe I should serve a mission and so I started preparing and like really taking it serious. And, and how old were you at this point? Um, I was 19, mm-hmm. um, maybe almost 19. 
but um, I started like talking to the bishop and um, so some of the ordinances that they do just to touch on like that priesthood they do like baptisms for people who have passed on before mm-hmm. they baptisms do, for the dead yeah. so you have like a church building that mm-hmm. on the side of the building visitors are welcome right then they have the temples where you have to get a temple recommend to go to the temple. Right. And, and in order to get a temple recommend, you have to answer a few questions Yeah, so to make they, sure you're worthy. You go before your bishop, who's the congregation leader, <laughs> mm-hmm. your priesthood leader, and he'll have, a, he'll have questions about, um, do you pay tithing? Mm-hmm. Do you live the law of chastity? Um, do, do you, you honor your mother and father? Do, do, you, do, you, yeah. be, do you believe that Joseph Smith is a prophet? Mm-hmm. Do you believe Jesus Christ is your savior? Um, very core things to the Mormon church. And if you answer no to any of them, then he will kind of review and maybe give you some goals that you can work to achieve so that you're able to say yes to all the questions and then you can go. And you have to do that too before you serve a mission. Well, right. Mm -hmm. But I think you also have to do that as well. um, Because after you get baptized at the age of eight, you can actually do baptisms for the dead once you get up to young men and young women. And 12. Yeah. So when you're 12, 12 years, old. years old. So that's like the first time that you go through those yeah, questions. Yeah, and I'll explain that real quick. But you, yeah, you go through those questions and you get a temple recommend mm-hmm. and you go into the temple. And the temple will have a record. The, the Mormon church is really organized. They have a record of everybody who's been baptized in the world throughout all of recorded history that we know, mm-hmm. right? So... Um, like ancestry is huge in the ancestry dot well mm-hmm. ancestry.com is is a Mormon is a Mormon website yeah well it is owned by the LDS church okay. um, and so yeah all of that ancestry information is on their records of, of who's been a part of the church yeah. and everything but but essentially you'll go in and you'll have somebody who's been giving given that priesthood authority will baptize you again, but instead of you you being baptized for, for yourself, yourself, they will say we baptize you for and in behalf of so-and-so yeah. who is dead. Who had passed on, yeah. who didn't have the ability to get baptized on mm-hmm. earth. And that that is because they believe that, like the scriptures say, that unless you're baptized, born of the, um, born, um, what is it, the water and of the spirit, mm-hmm. you cannot inherit, inherit the kingdom of God. So... They're essentially they're doing the, the work for those who never had the opportunity mm-hmm. to hear and and I think there's a lot of beauty and symbolism and in, in, in all that I think it's I think it's I had a, a lot of great experiences doing that feeling like I was doing something um, really um, like eternity changing for mm-hmm. somebody right um, but then as I so as I prepared for my mission I had you know some things that I had um, wanted to discuss with my bishop and I hadn't been in I haven't been attending like super faithfully mm-hmm. so that was a big one he wanted me to attend for a certain amount of time um, without you know missing and stuff um, and then you you go through the temple and um, you're given your garments or your they're like underwear but there's like just a white shirt and this is after you like this is when you're you know, preparing for a mission? Yes. Okay. So before you go into the Missionary Training Center, the MTC, you have to go through that process. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, basically the it's an undershirt. Sometimes they have like a swoop neck, so you might be able to wear a V-neck or something. But 
um, you wouldn't be able to wear tank tops without mm-hmm. showing it. And then they're just like boxer briefs for the bottom, but they're all white, right? But they go down to the knees. Um, yeah, almost. Almost. Yeah, yeah. Almost, almost to the knee. Um, and this is called getting endowed. And mm-hmm. you also, so you do this when you're preparing for a mission and you also do this when you're preparing to get married, yes. like maybe a week or so before you get married. Right. So I, I, I did it to go on my mission. Mm-hmm. And I'll um, I'll touch real quick on my mission. So I served I did serve a mission for the LDS Church in Atlanta, Georgia, mm-hmm. which so is not that not far that from three us. Three hours from us. Yeah. Um, and um, I think my first uh, temple experience was, I mean, it was really really difficult for me. So I'm I have a close relationship with my parents, right? I see them every day. Mm-hmm. I know that they wear garments, right? And then the the temple they part of the ceremony of the endowment they change into a different like robes and stuff and they you know they have a hat and booties and and uh you know it it's uh not something that i've ever seen Mm -hmm. growing up even though with my parents every single day right they didn't really talk about that Mm -hmm. i never saw it i never watched them fold it clean Mm -hmm. it nothing nothing like that so because yeah yeah i'll touch on that when i kind of give my yeah yeah. your your experience yeah so actually my first time um you know they give you a packet of this clothing and before i changed into that clothing uh, because i didn't know i was supposed to change into that clothing so i just got in uh, my white shirt white tie white slacks white shoes right Mm -hmm. and i walk out and i see another guy come out and he's dressed with all that my first instinct because i'd never seen in my life i thought he was somebody from another culture Mm -hmm. like polynesian or like middle eastern or something that that uh and that was his his way he was going to go through the the um the temple and then my my dad had to instruct me you know you you put these on that's what the packet Mm -hmm. is and so I put it on and then you go and you do like some ceremonial stuff. And while I was in there, they have men on one side and women on another. And I just kept like looking up at my dad. Actually, I looked down because I'm taller than him. <laughs> but looking over at my dad, I'm looking over at my mom. And man, I was nervous. I'm like, this is so different. Mm-hmm. Like I was not prepared for this. I've, I've been in the church my whole life. I felt Never like I knew most of the ins and outs yeah. of everything in the church up until that point. And then I was not warned of like any of the covenants you would make, mm-hmm. um, the symbols, symbolism, all, all that. The, the dress mm-hmm. uh, was just, it was a lot. I relied heavily, really heavily on my parents' mm-hmm. reaction. Like I see, okay, they're comfortable with it. I, I guess I, I can You be should be comfortable yeah, with it, yeah. Because I trust them, you know. So right. I... And they said, you know, it's a little weird at first, but um, as you keep going, you get mm-hmm. used to it. And I, I've always had the pers- perspective of like, if you didn't know about Jesus and they, and they taught you about first. baptism, yeah. it's like, it would be kind of, it can seem kind of weird mm-hmm. that you're being buried with Christ and then rising right. as a new it's, creation. It, it's all very symbolic for sure. Yeah. Um, I personally wouldn't compare it to baptisms. I get where you're coming from, but I also just had a very, very different per like perception mm-hmm. uh, than you did. Um, so, do you want to kind of finish up? Yeah. Yours so, then... I, I, you keep going throughout through the temple throughout your um, mission, um, and your mission is very structured. You have um, your week 
you have one day a week where you do your laundry. You can only email your fa- family. It's changed since, but mm-hmm. when I was there, you can only email once a week. You can you don't make phone. They phone really want to stop for, like the contact to like your your previous life before your mission to make just so you can focus on yeah, your on your mission. You're not distracted. You're not wanting to leave and go home and get homesick. And you can call two times mm-hmm. a year. Mother's you're Day. You're not and supposed. Christmas. You're not even <laughs> supposed to like. I uh, have somebody waiting for you like dating you're definitely yeah. not supposed to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend when you're yeah. on a mission so males t- typically would serve for two years and then females were serving for a year and a half but I think that's all changed as well so now you can I think you can serve anywhere from a year and a half to two years, two, as two a years. Male. Um, even mm-hmm. when I was there there's a lot of uh, guys who, who would leave maybe three months earlier and women but... used to not be able to go until they were 21 mm-hmm. and now I think they can go when they're 18 I think 18 for male and female but I'm, yeah. I'm not sure I'm not um, yeah it's just been a while it's since been a very been. long time for sure <laughs> in fact I just did a job uh, last week in a Mormon church and it's I, I was like just reminiscing on my childhood and stuff I'm like man it's been a long time mm-hmm. since I've been in a Mormon church, so it's mm-hmm. been a minute. So I know well, things have we changed the, a lot. After but. we left the faith, we only went one time, and that was like a very a interesting. Visiting. Well, we went something? with my mom yeah. and stuff. Yeah, after we had moved here and everything. Yeah. Um, but I'll kind of give a rundown. Yeah, of my experience. Uh, <clears throat> man, this is hard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my experience was not as elegant as Brad's was, and I am also, I also don't have, uh, much filter. So (laughs) I like, I am, I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to be honest with like my experience. Okay. (laughs) Well, I really am. So if you're sensitive to it and maybe you're still in the Mormon church or you, don't want to hear me being like honest about my experience maybe now would be a good time to tune out um so i we certainly don't want to offend anybody no it, i no just not her, at all her experience and, and our experience yeah and i definitely how we don't interpret and navigate mm-hmm. these things, so. i don't want to offend anybody but also too like i i can't i i feel like i have to be honest i have to really everything that i express to you i feel I feel like I have to share that if I'm mm-hmm. really being honest with my faith transition mm-hmm. uh, and the struggles that I had. So I grew up also in the Mormon church, came from a split household. My mom was a member. My father was not. Um, and because they were divorced, whenever I would be with my mom, we would go to church. When I was with my dad, we would not. So that was always really difficult. But I always just really struggled going it was always a fight between my mom and I. She would wake me up and I never wanted to go. And she would just always kind of push. And I remember it just being such a, uh, a big strain on our relationship. And then I think finally she kind of just came to the point where it was like, all right, I'm just not going to fight her anymore. You know, if she doesn't want to go. She doesn't want to go. So there was a lot of times where maybe I wouldn't go to church. I'd stay home. And I kind of found myself like finding every excuse to not go or if I did go like finding an excuse to go with my mom in her class instead of going to my class all of those things and I just never really felt connected and I did get baptized at the age of eight uh like you said that's that's just kind of what you do Mm -hmm. um even though I don't really feel like I committed to it but again like I was so young I don't really know 
I don't really know what I committed to, what I didn't at the moment. But yeah, I got baptized at eight. And then when I got a little bit older, went to Young Women's. And I remember that being a big struggle because there, I just felt so out of place. I felt like everyone there, without a doubt, like believed uh, in in the faith. And I almost felt like I just wasn't good enough. You know, there was one time where we were doing a, I don't know, like some pictures or something. And so we were supposed to like bring a dress. And I brought like a spaghetti strap dress, which was totally not what people did. And I just remember kind of getting like these looks or these comments of like how it was inappropriate and stuff. And I shouldn't be wearing like a spaghetti strap dress. But I'm also like super young and I'm like, why is this bad? You know? Um, And then also to just a lot of things that I remember being taught from the age of like 12 of being into young women's until year out of high school was very centered around making sure that like you keep yourself like chase and you're not um, having premarital sex and you're you're not doing anything that's going to make you um, kind of break that law of chastity, whether it's wearing clothing that's revealing uh, or anything like that. And I, I personally felt like there was a lot more uh, rules for us women versus like for you men, especially mm-hmm. too coming from a perspective of like, women have no authority in the church, you know? Um, and then as I got older into high school, I just, I didn't really go much. I was dating people who like either didn't believe in God or didn't have like a religious background. Um, and if they did, it was like just definitely not the same. So it was a big struggle. Uh, I, I did do like baptisms for the dead a couple of times. Um, but I always felt like when I go into that temple recommend to answer all these questions, I was like, well, am I really doing all of these things? Like, am I being honest, you know? And almost like if I say no, am I going to be like ridiculed? Am I going to like not be loved by God anymore? Shamed. Shamed. Yeah. I felt like a lot of what I remember um, was in order to to know God, for God to know you, to reach heaven, it was all by works. I, I, I really feel like that's everything that I was taught, not like his grace is sufficient for me. It's okay if I make mistakes, um, but I felt like I just had to be perfect in order to be loved by him. And so that pressure was just so much on me. And so after high school, when I moved out, to Utah, um, like you said, the culture is so different out there. And I felt like (laughs) I had to kind of just jump back into Mormonism. And it was really a date that I had went on with somebody that made me feel that way because I had went on a date with a guy and I had like my ears pierced twice. And he had made a comment about how you know, the church really just recommends that you only have one piercing and how I wasn't following like the prophet's rules. And I just felt so shamed by that. And that's something so silly, right? Like I, I can't imagine judging somebody off of that, but, um, 
I felt like there was also some other comments that were made about like my tattoo or other things. And so I kind of just felt like in order to really fit in with, with the friends and the people that I met there, I kind of just had to really jump back in to Mormonism. And there's a lot of other pressures from maybe my family. Um, so I, I did, I started reading like preach my gospel, which is the manual that the missionaries are given, uh, that they're supposed to read through before going on their mission. And that's kind of how they it's like, the outline of it what is we literally teach, the yeah. outline of what, yeah, the missionaries teach. And so started doing that and kind of referencing with, um, the book of Mormon and the Bible and stuff. And I was like, okay, like I can do this, you know? And so when we got together, um, we, we got married and we were getting married. And before we got married, we went through the temple and that was when I was getting my endowments. And we had went through a temple like preparation class before to kind of like prepare you for going through the temple and getting your endowments. This is interesting because (laughs) I feel like I was born and raised in the church. I didn't struggle with it as much um, as you did, I think. Yeah. But I was not prepared for the temple. And then when we go through a class, I feel like that class was so much more preparation than and you I got. Received. But you you didn't feel like... I didn't feel like it prepared me prepared, at all. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Well, so going through that, that preparation class, of course, like... The, the ceremony in the Mormon church, in the temples are like what they call sacred. And so they don't talk about it, right? They don't tell you what you wear. You don't see pictures of what it looks like. You don't know um, the so rituals that you go through. There, there's technically like like some things that you can share about uh, the temple, but some of like the, um, like some of the symbols um, and the symbolism you don't share just mm-hmm. out of... Uh, like that sacredness. But just from what I knew, the only thing but, I knew. But like after going through the temple and stuff, like it's okay to share what the dress looks like mm-hmm. and all that stuff yeah. and like what what it means and symbolizes. Yeah. But like that definitely that, wasn't something that But it wasn't, pre- yeah, we mm-hmm. did not get prepared for that. Yeah, so the only thing that I knew about the temple was like you were going to get garments that you wear underneath your clothes. Mm-hmm. And I saw my mom wear those growing up. Um, I mean you're technically like not supposed to let anyone see you besides like your spouse in those because they are like undergarments. So was that a big commitment for you? Uh, going and getting like my endowment. No, knowing that you're going to have to wear the garment yeah, for the rest of your life. For sure. For that sure. Was a big one. It was a, yeah, it was a really big one. Um, but so we went together and you do a lot of ritualistic things before like you get dressed in the garments, you know, different blessings that you go through. Um, and then you get placed with the garments, you put those on. And then, like you said, you get in your temple attire. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole time I just felt so nervous, super like uncomfortable, honestly. And when you go into, I don't know, what would you call it? The chapel? I guess it's probably called the chapel. Like where you put them on and stuff? Um, where like you kind of see the video and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's so like you, a chapel. Yeah. yeah. So you go into this place that's like a chapel and and like he said, the boys and the girls are separated on different sides. Um, And you you watch a video kind of explaining like the creation of the of the Adam and Eve and Mormonism and all that stuff. Uh, And then 
they there's a few other things and they basically just tell you these are like what you're going to be doing different uh handshakes i guess that you're going to be doing like confessing your i don't know what like can conviction your conviction to god yeah um and they just say like you're here at your own free will and choice you can leave at any time and they give you an opportunity they do they say if you want to if you leave, want to leave you can leave at no, this you moment can leave. Yeah. yeah and i wanted to so badly i wanted to get up and just walk out uh but I felt like I couldn't because everyone would know you were there. Your parents were there. My mom was there. My grandparents were there. My sisters were there or one of my sisters. And I felt like if I walked out, I would just be ridiculed. I would, you wouldn't want to be with me. Mm -hmm. um, I just felt a lot of pressure that Lots I had to pressure. conform. Yeah. And then also at the end, there's a part where they do like a prayer circle and they like just pray for people who have were put on like a prayer roll and stuff. Um, and they invite anyone who wants to come up to come up. And I was like, I'm not going up. And then your parents pushed you to ask me to go up. And I was like, oh, gosh, what do I say? I'm supposed to be marrying this guy in like a week. And if I don't do it, he's not going to want to be with me. So I did, and I just remember, like, I just want to get out of here. Like, I just want to leave. I'm so uncomfortable. And to just put it very blatantly, I felt like I had just joined a cult. Mm -hmm. um, and that's going to be really hard, I think, for people to hear that. But I really felt like I was doing something that was so not for God. Um, I, do, I do think that, like, because um, part of that circle is somebody is praying and then everybody repeats the prayer so mm. it's that repeating it just it sounds but it wasn't even ominous, just that it was all know? of the other little things yeah. throughout and honestly i'm getting like really emotional thinking about it because it was uh that was so hard <laughs> it's really hard going through something that you feel like you prepare your whole life for and it's not what you expect you know mm -hmm. And to feel like you're a disappointment, not only to your family, um, but you're also a disappointment like to your future spouse or to God. It's a lot of weight to carry. Um, and I was just told like, well, the more you go back, the more you'll understand. And so I tried to go back after we got married and it just never got easier uh, at all. And it was just like such a really difficult thing for me. And I remember bringing it up to you a couple of times after, after we got married and you just were like so defensive about it and like so upset. And so I just kind of felt like I had to hide it. And I <clears throat> kind of just something that is always repeated in the Mormon church is like, if you have an issue and you can't really seem to resolve it, just kind of like put it on a shelf and leave it there and then you can revisit it. And so that's kind of what I decided to do. And it sat there for like five years without us talking about it me just trying to just fight through it go to church with you going every sunday motions. going through the motions really not feeling like i really knew god and i really like <clears throat> wanted to be where i was at um but there came a point where i finally was just like enough is enough i can't do it anymore you know and so i brought it up to you um and like i don't know what what was that like for you when i brought that up so, me growing up in the church, it's like all I ever wanted to, to be was like with 
my family forever. I want to have my own family and I want to be with them forever. So like the culmination of all these ordinances all center around being able to be together as a family. So for me, that was just the pinnacle of eternity, Mm -hmm. really, you know? So, um, and in the Mormon church, they, they believe that they're the only true church on the earth and that nobody else has that priesthood authority. So for me, I felt like if we don't have that marriage that's ordained of God by somebody who has that priesthood, um, then it's like uh, I, I don't have my marriage or mm-hmm. my family forever. So when you decided, you told me I, I don't, that you didn't want to wear your garments anymore, that you weren't sure you know, how you felt about it. To me, I felt like um, I was heartbroken, really. Um, I felt like... Um, instead of me trying to sympathize with what you're going through and, and try to see where your heart was with it, I felt I turned defensive and I, um, I felt like you were turning your back on our mm-hmm. forever family. And everything that we had committed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that, was, um, that was probably the, uh, one of the biggest struggles of my whole life mm-hmm. is just feeling that. And just really just feeling at a loss of of what to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, That, yeah, that was really hard. Uh, And I think that it also was hard because we had kids. Uh, I think we had, well, we had four, four out of our five kids at this time. And I really just, you wanted to still go. You were still going to the church. You wanted to take the kids, but I didn't want you to. I didn't want them. Well, at first you you let me. Yeah. You didn't like me taking the right. kids. Right, but at first, yeah. So I would take all four kids, and it would be it was very, very difficult mm-hmm. to do that by myself um, without having her there. We did that for months. And then you just got to the point where you're just like, you know, you felt kind of blindsided by the church um, with with those things that you're never taught and like you just didn't want yeah. our kids to oh be and there like, were some other like things that had came up as far as um, just different information that I had kind of read after I like stepped away and stuff and yeah I felt really blindsided and just kind of lied to my whole life uh, and that's hard that's hard to digest that's hard to process yeah well I think I think it's like the pressures that we felt growing up to to strive to be to be perfect mm-hmm. we just didn't you didn't you didn't want that on our kids mm-hmm. you didn't want our kids to feel that pressure yeah yeah and uh and ultimately dis- disappointment in knowing that you will never achieve per- perfection mm-hmm. by yourself yeah um one of the one of the scriptures in the mormon church in the book of mormon says that it's by um, it's by grace that we're saved after all that we can do. And it's like, I think that a lot of the focus in at least the culture, maybe not from the church's perspective or the church doctrine, mm-hmm. I think the culture was focused on more of all that you can do. Like you gotta, you gotta do everything within your power, you know, in order to kind of earn grace or mm-hmm. deserve God to make up the rest, Jesus Christ to take the yeah. rest of what you can't. But if you don't, if there's a gap, 
it's like it almost feels like that gap is too big for Christ to save us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I, it took me a little bit to re- recognize mm-hmm. that that's where you're coming from with not wanting yeah. your kids to, I wouldn't say be brainwashed, but just th- to experience that pressure yeah. that you felt. And that now later I recognize that like I felt that, you know, that pressure mm-hmm. to try to be perfect. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think too, it was, yeah, like you said, I just didn't really want that pressure to be on them. Uh, we were all were already pretty, like the way that we parent was pretty much like we want them to feel like they actually have a voice, to feel like they have a say, and to not feel like they're doing things just because we expect them to. Uh, like it's healthy to question things, and I felt like I was never, it was never okay to question because when I did start asking questions, that's when things got really hard. When I started asking you questions about like trying to understand it, I was like, we were never on the same page. You always felt like I was coming from a posture of, um, doubt, doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Which you didn't like that. Uh, so that was hard. And I don't know how long it was that I stopped going and I stopped wearing my garments before I decided to leave, like officially leave the church. And what was that process for officially leaving the church when you say that? Yeah, so you have to send in uh, a letter to the headquarters, basically asking for your records to be removed. Um, And for me, I just feel like in order to actually, well, getting to that point was really hard um, because I knew you had already struggled with me not wanting to go and you feeling like I was kind of destroying like our eternal family and stuff. Um, so I felt like if I made the decision to officially leave, then that would just be even harder for us. I feel like those were like my eternal marriage divorce papers. Mm -hmm. That's how I felt. Mm -hmm. It was really, really difficult. Mm -hmm. That's just hard. (laughs) It's hard going through like, these feelings all over again because like you're all I've ever wanted you know and to feel like something like that that's supposed to be like so good for us could put so much strain on our marriage it's like it's hard not to be angry about it you know yeah but um I came to a point where Where I finally just decided, like, I couldn't continue being in this limbo anymore of, like, do I just need to kind of, like, suck it up and just deal with it and just move on and continue to be, like, the best member of the church that I can be? Um, Or do I just leave? Uh, And I felt like I spent so many hours, like, praying for a decision, like, from God and just never receiving one. And so, finally, I just kind of had to make that decision on my own, uh... And I just, and I thought like, well, you know, if I make it, if I make the wrong decision, hopefully he'll let me know. Um, and vice versa. If I make the good, like the right decision, hopefully like that will be shown too. And so I decided to like officially leave. And in order to do that, you have to send a letter to the headquarters to let them know that you want your records removed. And Which which means that, so when she says records, um, they hold a record for everybody. Like they'll, they'll have my ordination mm-hmm. date, my 
baby blessing date, when I received the, both of the priesthoods, when I served my mission, all these things they have a record of. So with her removing that record, essentially in order for her to be back in good standings with the church. I would have church, to go through getting baptized. And, yeah, we would have that. to like go through the temple go again. Go through the temple again. Yeah, everything. Um, so I finally, I just had a letter sent in. Um, and I think I actually got the papers that my records were officially removed and I was no longer a member like a week before your birthday or something. Um, and I told you, and I just remember like breaking down, like telling you that I was just like, I officially just made the decision I was going to leave. And when I made that decision personally, I felt a lot of peace. Like I felt like happy with the decision that I had made, even though it was like such a cruddy situation to be in. Um, but I remember like just breaking down to you when I came and told you, uh, and then telling my family was even harder. <laughs> Especially like telling my mom was really, really hard. And I remember her like just not understanding um, and being really, really hurt by it. And my biggest thing is like, I hate disappointing her. She always used to say like, um, you know, parents can get mad at you, but like the worst thing that you can feel is like disappointment. And so if she ever told me that she was disappointed in me, I knew that like I had really done something wrong. And even though she didn't tell me that she was disappointed in me from like removing myself from the church, I, I felt that I felt like I had disappointed her and I felt like I had ruined everything that she had worked for with her family. Um, but you know, she did ask me like, feel like you're tearing yourself away from our our family uh i feel like you don't want to be a part of our eternal family anymore and like what does that mean for your family uh it was hard it was really 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 hard uh i got a lot of ridicule from a lot of friends people from church and just like had a lot of people asking me just kind of really insensitive questions, you know, and all I wanted to do was just kind of like move on and just kind of like start fresh. Uh, it was very difficult in that culture. Mm -hmm. Very difficult. Um, so I'm just going to um, tie in just real quick my experience with um, like this phase that we were going through. Um, so the congregation that we were going to when we got married was a singles ward. So we, we had a bishop there and um, he's the one who gave us the recommendation to go um, to the temple and married us and mm -hmm. everything. Um, and then when we got married, we get kicked out of the singles ward. We have to go to a family ward right. now. Um, so we didn't see him for a little bit, but I went to school with his daughter. He's, he's uh, just a fantastic a wonderful man and you're um, at the store and you happen to see him no i wasn't at the store so i was actually doing a, a job heating and air conditioning job and he has a profession you know he's a bishop but they don't get paid their ministry so he has to have a normal job and he was doing um like speaker systems in in people's <laughs> homes 
and one of the houses that I was working on, he was also contracted to mm. do the job there. So I ran into him and um, he was just asking me, you know, how's, how's everything going with, you know, you and your wife? Mm-hmm. And man, I just, I just broke down crying to him, right? Well, just right on the side of the house, you know, and just, uh, I just let him know, you know, we're not, we're not in a good place. I told him, you know, my wife has decided that she's not going to wear her garments anymore. And like, I was almost expecting him to like sympathize with me and be like, let's pray for her. Let's, what can we do to get her back on track kind of thing? But he, uh, um, his response was, he just said, so how are you letting um, her de- decisions affect how well you love her. I was just blown away with that response because it's like a two-part thing like he seemed like he had a complete understanding of like what grace really is and that God gives us this life as a grace so that we can work things out mm-hmm. and until God says it's it's finished and it's not you know so it's a very hopeful response but at the same time I think it um, really um, humbled me mm-hmm. because I was I reflected on all the times that we got in arguments over that kind of stuff when it should have just been us, we, we can work it out peacefully, yeah. you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have like, to be confrontational and figuring out how we can draw closer together through our struggles instead of it letting us tear us apart. Yeah. We had let it tear us apart for a while. Well, and I think, I think, uh, you know, in hindsight, um, I think I felt a little of that humility at that moment, but I think really the next, two years I really just lived that humility um, because it, it took us from that stage it took us like we went through maybe three years of not even knowing if we believed in God mm-hmm. um, it was just such a it just broke me down so much that um, I had to just rebuild and you know I got to make sure that I'm treating her right I got to make sure that I'm coming from a posture of, of love and not of disappointment or pressure or anything like that. Yeah. And during that deconstructive process, we just, we questioned a lot of things and we, you know, we got to the point where just, we got open with each yeah. other with how we really feel about every topic. And, and we were finally like able to communicate and talk, talk through that. And we're like, you know, maybe we don't believe in God. Maybe we, who knows, who knows if there's a God, maybe we should experiment with other other ideas and Mm -hmm. you know all of that but and this came from 
like there came a point where you like also decided to stop moving your garments and also started like stopped going to church and stuff. I don't know. Um, I think it was about a year after I had left the church that you decided that you were going to leave. And then that's kind of when we jumped into that couple of years where we didn't really know what our beliefs were if we believed in God uh didn't definitely did not go to any church it's really hard to even find another church in Utah everything is just Mormon churches I mean there's a few Seventh-day Adventist uh there's also like a non-denominational church not too far we from like twice yeah we went like twice but it was still so fresh to us that I think it was it was more difficult for you to really be open to something like that, and so we kind of just decided that we were just not really going to try anything, you know. I think we we always knew we would have conversations about something feeling like it was missing, but we just didn't really have the means, I think, to find it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we decided to move out to Tennessee, and when we did, we were here for like a week. And I was like, just telling you, I think we kind of need to find a church, you know. I'll t- I'll tell you, like our whole marriage, with I I felt like normally it's the woman who's dragging her husband <laughs> to church. Yeah. I was like, man, why can't I have that problem? <laughs> you know. <laughs> I was like, I always feel like I'm dragging her to church, and mm-hmm. then when we moved to Tennessee, it was like all of a sudden. Like the the roles were switched. Where now mm-hmm. she recognized that we were missing something. We didn't know what it was. Yeah. We we knew that it was based around what we want to teach our children as far as faith. right. But we didn't know what that looked like. Yeah. So, but yeah, I just told you I think we need to find a church. Uh, and so I just googled. I literally just went on Google and I typed in churches in Shelbyville. Non-denominational churches, right? I, uh, I no, I don't even think I put in non-denominational. Oh, okay. I think I literally just put in churches. But that's what we were kind of looking for. Uh, like. Yeah. So Gateway was the was like one of the first ones that kind of caught my eye. Um, and we went, we went. And it's actually... And this was new for our kids too because they were... It had been a couple of years since they had been to church. They hadn't... But that's still only, the only experience they knew was Mormon church. Yeah. And it was a couple years removed and they were still really young. Mm-hmm. So. But so new to them too. So we, we pull up to Gateway and it's the church is in an old Walmart building. And yes. it was so funny because Sophia, our oldest, she, <laughs> she says, why are we at the store? I thought we were going to church. <laughs> And I'm like, we just, just joking. Yeah, we laughed. And I just jokingly said, we're shopping for Jesus. Um, but it was so true. You know, mm-hmm. we were just trying to find something that was just going to like fill our cup. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I'm getting emotional again just thinking about it because it's just been like so great. It's like happy tears this time though. You know, it's been really good. It's been really good for our relationship. Um, How are the first few times going for you? Yeah, uh, it was definitely. And what, and what is Gateway like? Like uh-huh. we we talked about like our our yeah. upbringing in the so, Mormon yeah. church where it's like solemn <laughs> prayers, right. quiet. You can hear a pin drop. So Gateway is definitely a very spirit filled church. Not as it, much as yeah. not as much as some where like 
people aren't going around speaking in tongues and stuff. But I mean, there's good music. People are raising their hands. People are like sometimes jumping up and down because like they're just like so into it. There's We've had people like dancing. flag twirlers before. And people who play like a... I think they call it a chauffeur or whatever, or I don't know, I don't know what they call it, like a big. We've even had uh, a couple guys brought. Uh, That's, what talk- horns, That's what I'm talking thing? about. Oh, okay. I think it's called a yeah. <laughs> oh okay, I got so, you. so it was very different. Um, the first okay, so the first time it was new, and I was I wasn't like weirded out, but I was just like I've never done this, this before. So crazy. So crazy. <laughs> But man, everyone was so inviting. I just remember seeing so many people and them just like introducing themselves. Um, and it just all felt so genuine. Not like, oh, let me just hurry and get you committed to this church. It just felt it just felt really natural. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the people that we met that day like still goes there. I still admire her so much. Um you want to drop her name or no? <laughs> <laughs> she already knows who she is, but yeah. Um, yeah. And we decided to go back a couple of times. We had went to some like meetings, uh, groups that they had. Uh, but really, I think what the breaking point for us, kind of like our dedication point, was when we went to a a night of just prayer and worship. And that whole night, all they did was like the worship team just played a bunch of music and you're just in the chapel, um, sanctuary, just listening and, you know, praying with each other, praying by yourself. Um, you have people up at what they call the altar, mm-hmm. which is the, just the front of the stage. They have a prayer and team if you need someone to pray for you. They're praying, they're on their knees, you know, mm-hmm. but. but for us as like that was huge that was really huge i remember we just cried a lot (laughs) we prayed a lot we cried a lot we sang a lot like it was that for me was like my conviction moment of like i want to be committed to like whatever this is i want to be committed to it you know just felt like the spirit so much and we've been going ever since it's been it's been four it's been four years, mm-hmm. which is wild. Can I share my first time experience? Yes, please do. <laughs> well, please do. So I think Stephanie was like wanting to find something different. And I was in this spot where it's like, I don't know if I believe in God. Mm-hmm. But also if I'm going to another church, I'm still like um, stabbing the Mormon church in the back and my upbringing in the back. I was, because so I was even kind of though you, those two. even though you stepped away, even though he stepped away from the Mormon church, he never had like his records removed. And even to this day, he still hasn't. So you're technically yeah. still on record. Yeah. So they can still find me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which they do. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so when we went, um, I kind of did it kind of with eye rolls, you know, it's like I was, happy to make funny jokes about it being in a Walmart, mm-hmm. <laughs> in Walmart. Um, but anybody who knows me, I've just always loved music. Mm-hmm. I, I can live my life just like every experience quoting different songs that will re- relate to what yeah. we're going through that, that type of thing. I've just always loved music, but, uh, um, man, the worship team, when I saw them, I'm like, man, these guys are, and girls, like, just the whole team was just 
fantastic. So and every time talented. there was a, a different singer for a different song, I'm like, she can sing too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, you think maybe just like one of them artists, can sing. Just, yeah. And so like yeah, that crazy. really kept me coming back because like I was, and I honestly, the first couple times I felt like it was like a concert. Yeah, it like was. Like a Jesus concert. Well, I'm like, this isn't church. This is like a concert. But you know, as I kept going, like just the worship and mm-hmm. the music just moved in me. And I tell the worship team, I told the worship we team. We tell this, them all the time. Yeah. That like, I, I really came for the music, but I really, I'd stayed for God mm-hmm. because, um, it was, they just fostered such a wonderful atmosphere for worship and yeah. just being completely genuine, but vulnerable, mm-hmm. um, and I, I just hold a lot of respect for, for them and what they do in their craft and, yeah. and just inviting the spirit and just who they are as a person um, as I've got to, to know them. And it took, you know, maybe three or four times. And then we had that that night. And, um, and being born and raised in the Mormon church, you don't see hands going up yeah, and stuff. Yeah, not at so all. So it's like, man. Not people saying amen I kinda, or Yeah, I kind of want to join. <laughs> um, and, and I've told... Uh, Oh, the ooh, the individual that Stephanie was talking about, the one that we were, I believe that she was talking about, mm-hmm. you, know, you respect, respect so much. Um, when we first went, she's one who would dance up in the front. Um, Still and, does. Yeah, and she, but that was so new to me. I to me when I saw it, I was just like, oh boy, she's an extremist. Like, um, but then you learn how genuine it is. Yeah, I we, yeah. we had like some Bible study classes and she was in there and I just like just got to know her a little bit. And just the first time really hearing her story, um, I I was just like in awe of what that meant to her. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a very beautiful thing. Um, and man, when I when I look back the first time I went, I was like, I really was a, just a judgmental person. Yeah, I just. I, uh, when I looked at her, I didn't even know her, but I'm like rolling my eyes, you know, and then you get to know her and you're just like, man, that's just, uh, it's, it's beautiful what yeah. she's doing. Like I'm sitting here afraid to raise my hand because I've never done it before. Mm-hmm. And, but it's something so small in an act of worship yeah. that I was hesitating to do that. And so how much am I like really living for God? You know what I mean? So, yeah. but, and she's willing to be up there some of her moves maybe she feels like could be embarrassing you know mm-hmm. you know how she feels but she's certainly doing more putting herself out there more mm-hmm. to glorify god um so it's very inspiring um well and you kind of going back to like the whole judgmental thing i feel like for me something that i really learned stepping into a new faith um is and learning god's grace is that i really have become unjudgmental of of everyone based on like their actions of course like there's always those times that we slip up but I just I feel like where I was as a person before in like our old faith versus now it's like I just feel so sad that I ever had like such judgmental thoughts and perceptions of people Mm -hmm. but like now that I understand really like what God's grace does for us it's like you don't look at people like that anymore you know Mm -hmm. Which is exactly like what the love of Christ is. Yeah. You know. 
I did want to share an, uh, an experience, a turning point, you know, uh, certainly one of the pivotal moments was the one that Stephanie mentioned in that worship um, service. But, um, you know, me being afraid to raise my hand in worship, I wanted to so badly, but I was like, you know, scared to, embarrassed. But um, I just uh, ended up just closing my eyes and just being kind of carried away with the music. And I just had an experience I've never experienced before. I just, I felt like I was floating. Every, all the people just disappeared. And like the music was there and I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't lifting my hands or singing. I didn't know the words or anything, but I felt like I was just finally in a posture where I, my heart was worshiping God. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like I just was lifted up and and was just alone with God and it was so much that like when I finally opened my eyes after either the song or the, the service ended um I kind of like forgot where I was yeah it's like one of those moments where you go camping or you sleep at a friend's house and then you wake up and you you're think expecting you're in your to bed be at and home like, and you're not what is this? <laughs> oh, okay yeah, yeah that, that's where I'm at it was one of those moments um and I just feel like God really just met me there. Mm -hmm. um, as I was, the second, the instant I try to turn my heart to him, he's mm -hmm. there, you know, to just wrap me in his arms. And like, really, we just haven't looked back. So yeah. It's, it's I just... mean, of course, there's been times where I think we've struggled with our faith. Like, oh man, is God really hearing me? Is he really answering my prayers? But regardless of what faith you're in, everyone goes through that, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's just normal. Um, it's hard to really sometimes trust that there is really someone out there that fully understands you and fully loves you. Mm -hmm. is fully committed. Um, and well, like really his of... grace is just sufficient and that can be hard to trust sometimes. Yeah, for sure. I think sometimes we get to where it's like, um, we feel like we have to either do certain things or be in certain churches affiliated with certain people mm -hmm. in order to like, um, to feel that yeah and to just know and recognize that like our journey is all just very personal right like it's just it doesn't it's not so much like where you're worshiping or or who you're sitting next to or mm -hmm. you know um it's just knowing that you are diligently seeking and being honest with a yeah a relationship that you're wanting to have with god is like makes the whole difference with everything. And I tell everybody, um, like I've been through a lot of, of faith transitions and yeah. like a, a, I've contemplated a lot with my faith throughout my life and where I'm at now, I just feel like God is not hiding from anybody. Mm -hmm. He's, he's, um, uh, He's, he's not, um, he's not keeping himself hid from you. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you're at. If you're honestly seeking him, you, he will like, he will guide you yeah. and he will provide the things that you need in order to foster a relationship with, with him. And, um, I just, um, uh, I never had that my whole life. Yeah. I never felt that. And, uh, but feeling it now is just like. It's so, it's so great. Different. Yeah. <laughs> it's so different. Yeah. It's like, um, it's like learning what 
what grace really is mm-hmm. and having it explained uh, I, I I had it explained to me once and I won't go into detail about how it was explained but it just made so much sense to me and I'm like man why wasn't I just taught that and I actually I actually saw a talk from somebody in the Mormon church who talked about it and mm. explained it that way and I'm like I know that there's people in the Mormon church who have that honest mm-hmm. relationship with God. He, he is definitely directing their lives and, you know, and they're, they're doing, they're living under that grace yeah. that God has in the, the Mormon church as they, as they understand the doctrine, they understand really what grace is at its core. But yeah. I never felt like I knew that. Right. I never felt like it was either explained to me or maybe it's just everything's in God's timing, you mm. know. Um, can't pinpoint all of the yeah, all of the nuances of that, but that's that's really for the mm. first time in my life where I really just felt like I understood and felt what God's grace yeah. is. Well, and just kind of where we're at now, just to kind of give like a rundown for everyone. Like I said, we've been going to the same church for four years now. Don't see us leaving unless we move. Um, More than a couple hours away. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I got baptized in our church mm, six months maybe after we started going. Um, And even though I had been baptized before, I felt like I didn't commit to it really when I first got baptized. And so this was really just like my declaration to like God and just kind of... um, really just committing to what I felt like God had planned for me all along. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also got baptized. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, October. <laughs> was it really only two years ago? Mm-hmm. It was two years ago. That's crazy. Um, I think for a while I felt like, I don't know, I, I would know I was baptized. Yeah. I can accept that baptism now, even though I, f- I feel like I didn't really understand or really um, agree to that as an eight-year-old. Um, but I saw some kids in line <laughs> to get baptized and I was just like, and they're breaking down crying like, yeah. and they're at, you're nine or 10 yeah, years younger. old. And I'm just like, man, like they got the boldness to go up there and, and do it. And they're, they're feeling like God moving them mm-hmm. and they really, you could tell they understand yeah. and feel the gravity of what that means to mm-hmm. them and it's just inspiring and normally you let them know before service <laughs> Beforehand, that and you, you have want clothes yeah they give stuff. you a change of clothes so that you can you have your dry clothes to wear after but, but you made the I was decision too late, yeah so. but he made the decision on the spot which i think is even just so much more special to the whole story you know and you go like running up there and like a guy tried to stop you security tried was, to stop me. he was like oh no they already because he like, didn't their... recognize me or know <laughs> yeah. me but, but they were like they already you know they already finished and like pastor like told him to pastor like, saw me because mm-hmm. yeah the last person went and I ran up the aisle yeah and he tried to stop me because he's like what's this guy doing running up here yeah and then pastor looked over at me and I'm like can I get baptized and he just the smile on his yeah. face he's just he's a wonderful uh, man of God I hold a lot of respect for him yeah I don't want to yeah. cry anymore <laughs> on this episode yeah. but uh but and then one of our kids to get baptized the same day that I did um the rest of our kids haven't but they've talked about it they've talked about it but we're not going to push it it's not something that is like our decision it's something that's going to be their decision and like in due time 
when they're ready if they want to make that great like we'll be so supportive and if they don't that's okay too mm-hmm. you know um but i just really what i hope that this does for people this episode um it's okay to question it's okay to not really know where your your life is going in your religious aspects um it's okay to kind of take a step back and to kind of reevaluate uh but really ultimately like you said if you're just honestly seeking god um he's not hiding from you he'll find mm-hmm. you he'll meet you where you're at you know wherever mm-hmm. that may be whether it's in the church that you're at or whether it's a new one or whether it's you know you kind of have to take like a a year of solidarity or whatever just yeah yeah well i i feel like time like the idea of time like us being on this earth i feel like time is grace that god gives us um, he hasn't called us home to, to meet a final um, um, judgment or anything yeah. yet. So as long as we got time on this earth to figure things out, of course, we don't want to procrastinate things that we know mm-hmm. we should be doing. But, I mean, you don't have to have everything figured out today. Yeah. And you take it one day at a time and you work on a, your relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And... It'll, it'll amaze you how fast um, God can just change all of the desires of your heart, all of the instincts that you normally would have, bad habits, um, all that. He can just change it um, just so quickly. Yeah. And uh, that's been a huge thing for us. And we just really wanted to share with um, all of you and anybody mm. interested in listening to our story. Yeah, yeah for and sure. Just, I know that there's like a lot of my family, a lot of my friends who um, we haven't really sat down and had this kind of discussion. Mm-hmm. There's a couple that I have, but um, we just really wanted to just share our heart with this um, so that people can see wh- where we're at. And um, and really, this is the whole epitome of no BS, you know? Mm-hmm. Life is not perfect. It's not always sugar-coated. Um, and there's hard times, there's hard topics that we got to talk about, but it's just kind of who we are, you know? Yeah. And this, this is a heavy episode, but the rest of them hopefully won't be as heavy. They'll be a lot more lighthearted. Yeah. They'll be a lot more lighthearted. Oh, there's a couple we got. There are a couple. (laughs) We sat, we sat here and debated on what we wanted to talk about this time, but kind of feel like this had to go before a lot of the other um, episodes because it kind of leads in. I think to it foreshadows everything. I think. Decisions that we've made in our marriage and parenting. Yeah. In our careers, just different things for sure. So mm-hmm. appreciate you guys being there with us as we sit there and pour our hearts out and <laughs> we cry and we laugh and all of those things. Um, and hopefully next week we'll be able to laugh a little bit more than today. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We love you. Thanks yeah. for watching. Have a good night. <laughs>